That's a real, that's a treat. <laughs> that is amazing, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my goodness, he's got cake. Is that a donut from that nearby donut shop? Sorry, I'm just having some birthday cake. I don't know what you guys are doing. Jason, are, are you balancing something or holding on to strings? You kind of look really like you're trying to hold something together. My hat. Are the balloons depending on you? Oh, just the hat. Okay. Yeah, my, my birthday hat. I'm having a birthday party over here. I don't know why you guys... I- I'm in the wrong hemisphere. I really need to be there. Today's a big day. Yes, it it is. It is true. It is my birthday. Actually, the day is today. Blow out your candle. <sighs> wow. The magic of the internet. You know what? I didn't even get a proper cake for myself. My mother-in-law came over with a grocery store cake, mainly to keep my five-year-old son super happy. So you said you felt old, Andrew. Does that mean, are you now getting more excited about your birthday because of your kids the same way that parents do with Christmas? It's funny, actually. This this one has been kind of a, a joy because, yeah, um, Benji has, like, this year, Benji's twigged into birthdays. He's, he's five, um, and he's sort of now being in uh, school, he's kind of really twigged to what birthdays are. So he was telling me I needed to have, like, a badge, and they need to sing a song for me and everything. And so, so he, he's got this concept of what a birthday is. And it's the same for everybody, irrespective of the age. And it's so cute. What's the badge? Oh, like a birthday badge they wear at school when you're the birthday boy or the birthday girl. You wear like a special badge on, on your day just so that everybody knows and gives you special attention. Um, actually, this is a perfect segue though, because I am under strict instructions on this podcast that I need to tell everybody that Benji is having a Spider-Man birthday for his next birthday, okay? So it's really important that that makes the edit and that that stays in because he's expecting to hear me tell you guys about his Spider-Man birthday. Good on you, Benji. Well, tip, in case you forgot to give that special someone a gift, you can give them this podcast. You can give us give them a subscription to One Prime Plus. That is the best gift of all, really. When it comes down to gift giving this holiday season in the middle of June, <laughs> um, you can be like you can be like the three new patrons that are now a part of the One Prime Plus uh, friends and family. We've got Jennifer M, we've got Nick T, and we have uh, Raphael D. All new members to the One Prime Plus planet so thank you all for joining we appreciate it make sure you go get all your new goodies that you have in the in the archives of the patreon um safe that we keep all of that stuff in and look forward to new stuff we just got the new kind of uh special episode just came out the first proper one prime plus episode that wasn't uh, an extra so that's in there now for you. You've got some wallpapers and more to come. Just on the new patron while we're at it, because I feel like I'm going to get grilled for this anyway. Uh, do we want to address the elephant in the room that even with permission from another podcast co-host, I kicked the wrong person out? Yeah, yeah. A little, little, bit, little bit overzealous in the uh, anti-spam bot fight. There you were, Martin. <laughs> he, he, he gave us 15 minutes or so to like claim whether we knew anybody that he was about to delete from the chat. Never mind the fact that we may have been working or doing other important things with our day. He, 15 minutes? No, I haven't heard from you. They're gone. <laughs> Unfortunately, one of those people happened to be my mother. Sorry, Andrew's mum. We're very grateful for your support. But look, I'm a little bit keen on quality control. And apparently these people that I work with here have lives. I didn't know that. Crazy. It, not, not often do I have a life, but that particular moment I did. <laughs> Sometimes you need human curation, and, and this is, this is what, what you get, you know? It's, it's fast, it's efficient, but there are mistakes, and that's just, that can happen. So Now, something else, just to show the difference, I suppose, in the co-hosts here, Andrew, and the different approach we had to birthdays. Before I even had a chance uh, to give you my rather, is it backhanded, spiteful, I don't know, birthday gift, 
my birthday gift to you rather than balloons and donut that you couldn't eat was I wasn't going to skip over your SkedPal entry in the show notes. Uh, do you want to talk about that? I was actually going to let you speak about it. I was I was kind of hoping that this whole birthday charade that I did was going to get us out of that, but thanks. No, no. I've made notes and everything. You know what might get us out of it, though? Unannounced trivia corner. I think that might get us out of it, really. Who's ready for unannounced trivia corner birthday edition? All right. Question number one. What year was Windows 1.0 released? Is it 1984, 1985, 1987, or 1999? I'm going to go 85. Martin stole my answer. That's what I was going to say, too. It's your birthday. You're allowed to, you're allowed to double up. I'm going 85. I seem to remember seeing copyright logos on Windows machines. That's a horrible thing to have burned into your brain, but okay. Welcome to, welcome to corporate life. <laughs> Question two. In what year was the Australian dollar and the US dollar roughly one-to-one? Was it Ooh, 2001, question. 1991, 2010, or 2008? Do you want to go first, Andrew? I have an inkling, but you go. No, it was when I was over there because I felt like a rich man. Uh... <laughs> oh, jeez. 2010? I was going to say that. I was going to say that too, but for the sake of, you know, uh, being a good guy for the birthday, man, I'll say 2008 or 2008 as the cool kids say. That's okay. I just remember, is it um, the ABC guy? Is it Alan Kohler? What's his name? I just remember hearing the word parity over and over again. And everyone was very excited. No one cared, right? <laughs> you, there's a couple, I, I love economics. I love Alan Kohler. And I love parity. All right. Thank you for playing Unannounced Trivia Corner. You na- now may proceed with um, Sketch Dude. Sketch sketch Guy. What, whatever it's called. Sked, schedule What's his name? Man. Schedule yeah. Man. All right. So, Skedpad. Now, Jason's been teasing me. He calls it something different every time I mention it to him, never by its proper name. But Skedpad it is. I think it is. Is it Skedpal? No, I'm pretty sure it's no. Skedpal. See? <laughs> it's a pal in front of me. <laughs> Already. We have no idea what it's called because they call it something different every single time. It's a great app. It's Skedpal. It's your friend. It's your scheduling friend. Look, I typed it in my notes as Skedpad. That's Jason Burke surreptitious influence on me skid pal he's my friend okay i want to go back to omnifocus 4 though before i talk about skid pal omnifocus is my like first love so i was into omnifocus before it was omnifocus when it was just um a series of apple scripts running in omni outliner that ethan schoonover developed uh it's going way back in time and uh, OmniFocus then came along. I was a user of the beta version, like version not point one, not one yet. And I've been on its train ever since. I love it. I love it. It's the best thing I've ever used for managing my life. I've tried. I tried a few different other things before it. Nothing stuck, and I became like GTD guy, massive, massive GTD guy. And even though I'm not hardcore GTD, like with all the. Co- I still use like contexts, but there were more tags now and stuff. But I could sit you down and have a GTD conversation for like ever, probably boy boy to death. But I I knew it inside out. Like I was. We're talking about getting things done, not some condition you were diagnosed with. That's right. Yeah, David Allen. Yeah, but um, the thing about OmniFocus is it's like it's like a little. A, a really comfy doona or something that you know you you have loved and you know it and it's but it's getting a bit worn out and it's probably not giving you that same warmth and comfort protection because it's it's worn down um omnifocus is a bit like that with me it's not driving me forward in the way that it used to they're up to like beta 4 for iOS now so there's still version 3 on the Mac moving to 4 on iOS but it's still the same thing. Like you could go back to version one and still use it. There's not really been a whole bunch of additive stuff. And you can say that's good, right? It's a good software platform. It does what it needs to do and that's it. But for me at the same time, it's 
it hasn't moved forward like and it doesn't look like it's going to move forward and so it's not helping me as much as it used to anymore it does help me with planning like still excellent at like all right this is a project plan of work i have to do here's all the things but when it comes to following it it's like i look at it and i go yeah i could do that but what else is there on my list what other perspective can i bring up and that will give me another option of something that i might want to do and most of the time i just ignore everything and procrastinate so it's not helping me work do you think this is your fault though or the fault of the app in the sense that the app has become it's hit a a tipping point of becoming a microsoft word where everyone uses it and relies on it so therefore it is now stuck in a limbo of i have to now continue pleasing all of these people that have kind of been using it forever so now i can't really do anything crazy and wild right like word is i feel like kind of a similar thing where it's 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 the same app you could use word you know 95 or whatever but you know you're not going to get a drastically new word word doesn't suddenly only work in markdown now because markdown's the hot thing right like it's always going to be word or is it more maybe just that you're you know like a lot of people are in the like i want I want new stuff as a way to kind of trick myself into, you know, get doing stuff because it's kind of a, a it, it's like a game almost. And I'm not saying that negatively towards you. I, I'm much the same way sometimes where I'm like, ah, I just want like a new, I want a new way to look at this stupid information of things that I don't want to do. Yeah, I want I want it. I want a new level. I want to beat a new boss. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And and I probably do need that stimulus of new a bit more than like anybody else because I've been using it for so long and nobody inside out. And it's like, you know, there's, there's nothing new for me to learn. I know it so well. Um, but yeah, and they do have that problem that so many people use it and they use it in different ways so they don't want to upset anybody. But my worry is you look at things that they've been developing over the last couple of years, it's been like all the omni automation stuff. It's so edge case and it's like, that's not really helping the majority of people. Like I'm a, I would consider myself a power user of OmniFocus. That's not really helping me. I don't want to spend my time, use my time developing code, even if I could, I don't know if I could, to do stuff. Like you're the developer, make it for me and I'll give you money. Like don't, don't worry about automation stuff when they still haven't got things like natural language passing and that kind of stuff. Like, why can't, it's really limited in that regard. So yeah, I just, it just, basically it's a great app. I still use it, uh, you know, and I think I'll still always have a place for it, but for the daily doing, it's not, it's not hitting the, for me anymore. And so I went on a big journey of discovery and I found SkedPal, which is a bad name for a piece of software. I admit it. And if you look on the website, it looks terrible. And they're still promoting version two, even though they're, they're hardcore working on version three, um, which is totally different. The, work, the one they're working on looks way better, but still isn't ideal. It's structured, basically, the, or the premise, I get it, the premise is that you give it your tasks and it creates a plan for your next couple of weeks that will make sure you do everything if you follow its plan. So it automatically populates your diary and says like, well, you said it would take three hours to do this task and I've broken it across three one-hour blocks over the next two weeks. And if you follow that, it'll be done by the due date. And it does that for everything that you feed it. But it also synchronizes with like your regular calendar so that if you have events and bookings in your calendar, it doesn't overlap those. It puts those as priority number one. They're like your fixed meetings. And so it bubbles your tasks around it. It has an amazing amount of customizability in terms of what you can do um, and how you can set up, you know, you can say, oh, I want a minimum block of an hour and I want buffer times before and after things or not. Um, it's pretty intense. And that's probably part of its downfall is that the actual data entry port of it when you're trying to figure this out is a bit clumsy still. I have hope that they'll continue to improve it, but I think the very nature of what it's trying to be, there's always going to be a level of complexity 
So I'm kind of finding myself at the moment, I'm still sort of planning an OmniFocus for like long-term things, but then taking those plans, copying and pasting them basically into SkedPal to actually then say, right, Andrew, today you're going to do these things. And it takes away like my thinking around that. It's like, I have just got this menu of things I have to do. I know if I do them, I'll get everything done. And it's quite liberating. Um, it's really interesting. It's a fun, it's fun. Um, like I said, I'm on the beta, but I paid for the version two that I'm not using. I bought an annual subscription just to sort of throw some support at it because it doesn't have a huge user base, I don't think. Um, but I think it's really cool. It's really interesting. Um, I encourage anybody to try it, but honestly, do your best to just send them an email. The developer is super responsive. So, um, send them an email and just say like, I want to try it, but I don't want to try version two. I want to try version three. Um, give it a go. I'd be curious to know how people feel about it. If they're Uber, like kind of productivity people like me, um, and find out what they think. What do you guys think? Like Jason, Jason does all this time. or did do all this time tracking. I'm wondering like, he's a man of leisure these days, but is it something for you? Martin, you're trying to, you're trying to write a doctorate and do job and, you need some skid pal in your life. Um, I think it sounds interesting. Uh, it sounds more like it replaces f- like your calendar than than OmniFocus. If unless I'm not quite fully getting what it is. Like if I if I had like Fantastical and OmniFocus, it sounds more like I would use this alongside OmniFocus versus this alongside Fantastical maybe. Um yeah, it's kind of like like if you would drag in like because in for instance you could drag a task from OmniFocus into Fantastical, which is almost like a manual version of what this software does. It gets your calendar, it gets your tasks, and it mushes them together in a calendar view. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it it I like the idea of how it breaks stuff up. I guess if it were if it's if it's something that's you know smart and actually can learn as you do things like I never put XYZ on a Friday like if it just kind of knows stuff like that because at the end of the day if it just breaks it up into three blocks and throws it wherever it fits for me I'm probably gonna be like ah I don't like where you put that I want this to actually be over there or whatever so I don't know if it's too too hands-on for me where it's like now it's and I, I I can see the value of it being kind of an assistant for you if that's what you want um i don't yeah i don't know i i i like the idea of it i don't think currently in my day-to-day it would make any sense at all it does have like this idea of time maps so you can say like i want you know like so i've blocked out green time at certain times and called that my working day and then i've got like leisure times which are kind of like green in the evenings and kind of orange Make, schedule it if you have to kind of in the late afternoon so you can do that kind of thing about like don't give me anything on a friday because that's like and it will respect that so it's kind of clever like that in terms of mobile apps it's got one it's in um it has an android app i have no idea what that's like um actually i do think i know what it's like because i think it's exactly like the ios version which is a bit of a disappointment it's in test flight um it has the rudimentary stuff but it's definitely still a work in progress and it it has like that sort of googly material design kind of ethos to it. So I hate it, but it doesn't, it does enough. It does enough to just have a glance at it and go, Oh, that's what I have to do. But I don't use it for much beyond that. Now, so you say, you say that there's a level of intensity in managing it that is maybe a bit too much, but am I right in saying that that's kind of also what you enjoy about it? <laughs> you seed right through me. Uh, yeah, I do like that. I like fiddling and tweaking. I'm on a learning curve with it as well, and I'm kind of figuring out how it works. It's it's it it takes a lot of learning. I would say this is not for the faint of heart. Um, but yeah, I do like that fiddliness of it, and it's like a new toy. It is a new toy for me. Right. See, to answer your question for me, if you were to ask anyone in my close circle of family or friends, actually, no, anyone who's ever met me for five minutes, they probably know that. I want to be in control of my day and run things and I like technology and all of that stuff. So when you say that you like using an app like this and that it has that level of intensity in your managing stuff, I totally appreciate it. I can see why you like it. For me, that's the kind of cutoff for where I'm interested in technology where 
I like manipulating things on a screen or doing things to do with computing. But the moment that I'm having to manage the tool that's managing me, I lose all interest. Perfect example. This isn't really your SkedPal thing, but I, I was trying this app called Spendy, which was all about your own financial management. It was like tracking just in a basic way, the things that you pay for. And I recommended it to my sister and she has become such a massive fan of it. She had her spendiversary recently. I was like, congratulations, you've had your spendiversary. And we were laughing because I left that app like five minutes after I recommended it to her because it drove me nuts having to remember to manually add the $4.50 that I spent on this particular Sydney coffee after I bought That's it. That's my life, Martin. Never That's what really. I do in WhatsApp so, every day. It brings joy. <laughs> I, it drives me nuts. I know, I know. And I'm glad that it works for you. But for me, it's just, oh, that precious moment that I could have been sipping the coffee when it was hot. But instead I'm going, hmm, where did that $4.50 go? Oh, now it's the purple category. You know, just not for me. So, Sked Pal, all power to you. Power to you. Stay on top of that because it's a pain in the ass if you've got to reconcile later and you haven't entered transactions. Just ask, just ask my wife constantly like going in and backfilling her transactions because she's not. Andrew's YNAB uh, code will be in the show notes, I'm sure, for a referral. Oh, referral. Totally. Totally. I've been trying to sell YNAB codes for like the last three years. I think I've had one taker. Man, I'm putting that in. Anyway, SkedPal. Power to you, Andrew. Get it. Get it. Yeah. um, Join me in the Slack. SkedPal Slack. Yep. Have have you heard of uh, Obsidian? They they don't they don't use it. they don't use Slack or Discord they use an IRC because it's nice plain text. Have you guys heard of WWDC? Is that a is that a thing that's ever come across your desk? Yeah, I think I watched it recently. I had not much to really say about it. Not that it was not you know it was not that it was uneventful or boring or anything. I just I think it was too early to really. Everybody already knows everything that's happened. First of all, um, everyone watched it. Everyone's probably heard a million different shows and things about it, and blog posts, whatever. Rather, whether it's praising it or you know doing what tech blogs usually do, and you know doing what they do. Um, I just think it's too early to really say anything about it. I don't think we really know what is actually going to be happening. We don't know what new hardware is happening this year, which is always, you know, they tell us about the software. They tell us most of what it is, but then there's usually a hardware thing that gets enabled by a software thing we don't know about. So it's like, I don't know, but I just was curious if you guys, if there was like one or two or 10 things that came out of WWDC this year that were exciting and or you're hopeful for. And I, I don't think either of you are, are running the beta or ever would want to. Um, but yeah, what do you, thoughts thoughts or uh, otherwise? Praise, hate, anything? I have thoughts about the presentation and also releases or announcements. Uh, maybe do the releases announcements first. Uh, the thing that really caught my attention was the iPad OS multitasking. Just because even though I spend most of my time on a Mac, there are those times, particularly when I'm doing some long form writing or, you know, just anyone who's ever done like a split view situation and then has multiple windows running in different places. I think it's just nice that they're surfacing that functionality a little bit more. And when I saw that feature where you could swipe to the side and reveal the home screen to bring up apps from behind, that to me just went, okay, cool. Thank you. This is one of the most functional changes that has been brought and obviously you have to be kind of into using the ipad to really benefit from that but that was something that i was particularly hopeful for in watching the presentation that being said and like you said jason i don't want to rant about this forever because everyone's already had their you know two cents worth about this i kind of felt like the communication could have been a little bit better in this presentation. And I know that might sound a little bit ridiculous because we're talking about master communicators, Apple, who can market just about anything. It was more about uh, features sprawled across all systems and was there really a narrative? And I kind of felt like it was one, and I kind of thought this about the first uh, recorded one that they did last year. It, It felt like one never ending and now on to you infomercial constantly looking over shoulders to the next person and 
you know, granted in Australia on the East Coast, I'm watching it at three o'clock in the morning and I'm half asleep. So maybe this is my fault. But in the past, not to go too far back into the, oh, when Steve Jobs was doing it thing, there was a dramatic pause or there were silences and there were breaths between sentences. Things are so densely packed now and features so sprawled across the symptoms, not (laughs) symptoms, across the systems. uh, And it's just such breakneck speed that by the time it got to the end of the presentation, I thought, what was I excited about again? So I think there was a lot of cool stuff to see and I'm not bagging out the company for its efforts and what it's put out. To me, it was just such a hyper fast infomercial breakneck speed presentation that in my half sleepy delirium i really had to concentrate i think that makes sense i think i feel like a lot of that comes from just internet culture now in general where everything has to be fast 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 now 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 versus taking time to just you know take it in and and understand what's going on um I, I feel like you probably lo- you probably lose a lot of that too just by the nature of it not being live where even though there always is a schedule when it's live, you still have that. I mean, like the schedule thing we were just talking about, there's still that human piece that can take that extra half second or, you know, wait for, you know, if something's happening or there's just, there's a little more nuance to it, I think, when it's live. And I would imagine if these were live i think they'd still be go 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 fast 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 but i think a lot of it gets lost in the excitement of how much you can edit it to be like a cool movie versus it being a presentation um that's what it felt like to me i i I totally get what you're saying where it's like what even that was like a hundred things you just mentioned and there were 200 more on a slide at the end that we didn't even get to um and yeah i think a lot of it too is just there's a lot of crap now and i think i i think we lose sight of that often where there's just so much stuff that has to happen all at once now where it used to be this was this year this was that year now it's 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 expected that everything get this massive crazy upgrade every single time or else everybody's upset which is funny because even when it gets the massive upgrade everyone's still upset so it's like you can't make anyone happy with any of this stuff it seems but um i seem and and i will say sorry to interrupt Mm -hmm. uh i I really really enjoyed having the discord component with all of our listeners on the wwdc channel because even though i've never been in an audience for an apple keynote like you said that live nuanced element of reactions in a crowd because that's not in there anymore for better or worse, having that in just this nice little thread that I could look in and out and go, oh, that's what people think. That's cool. I thought that was a nice enhancement. So thanks to listeners who actually came along the ride for that. Yeah, I agree. I think that that really makes it a much better experience having some kind of uh, live component with people. Um, Yeah, whether that's somebody sitting next to you or even just, yeah, the Discord chat. I, I thought that was great. Jason, you asked the question, we needed to give one favorite thing each from the keynote. And um, the Discord chat was my one favorite thing. I've never done that before. I've never watched. I've always been alone watching those. Um, and that was the first time I've had the experience to like sit with people that I feel like, not Twitter, because Twitter is too overwhelming, but people that I sort of am connected to in some way. And talking about something that we're all watching together, it was really fun. It's one of the things I've often heard, you know, podcasting superstars talk talk about doing um, and never had that same experience myself. And this was the first for me and I really enjoyed it. And it was funny that I went back actually with with the Discord as well. I thought it was hilarious. I think I made a comment halfway through it. It was like, oh my God, me and Martin are like totally culturally different here because we were doing the australian thing of just taking the piss out of everything like yeah credit yeah just like criticizing at every turn but like it's my default setting in like kind of like well, why not that's kind of what you do and it was a real like eye-opening thing for me because that's what everybody does in australia that's just how you that's the way you deal with those circumstances but you like jason and a couple of others were much more like genuine like trying to find a genuine like positives in it and i suddenly looked at what we're writing and we just sound like negative nazis so i uh, i was a bit 
I was sort of thinking about it, and it was in the middle of the night as well. So, you know, faculties weren't running at full speed. But I hope that didn't impact other people negatively because I think that's just an honest cultural thing that me and Martin were just like, oh, yeah, you're like, you know, stupid, whatever, stupid, stupid. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh I think I'm worse than you are, though, Andrew, because every time someone comes out and says, like, particularly when they say in the scripting, oh, you know, uh, my photos, I'm like, they're not your photos. They were planted there. Please don't say my. Like, it, they, it's just this hyper positive, oh, this is amazing. I'm like, just just dial it back, all right? It's impressive. Just, God. From that, when I was thinking, okay, so what was my favorite thing that I liked about it? I couldn't remember anything. I was like, I went back and had to look at, I went trawling blog sites to try and figure out what the hell they announced and what did I actually like. And I didn't actually find anything. And I think, I think maybe then my like is that maybe this is like a modern snow leopard. It's just kind of like improvements. I knew somebody was going to say that. I'm sorry. I knew it. I'm sorry. I knew it. <laughs> the, the one thing they didn't fix, I didn't mention that they're fixing, that needs fixing is the Mac OS notification dismissal. Like, you've got to aim at that little X on the Mac OS to get rid of the little um, notification things in the top corner. It's a real pain in the butt. And they didn't fix that. You've got to hover over it. It's where the X doesn't appear until you hover over it and then click on it. And then it kind of, oh, and then oh, you miss it. And then you click on notification. Martin mentioned the multitasking on iPad OS, which is funny because I actually, so I recently switched from the 11-inch iPad to the 13-inch iPad. Um, 12, and 12. no longer 9. I'm using the 13-inch iPad, correct, yep. Um, uh, to go alongside my, you know, MacBook Pro 15.4. No, it's the MacBook Pro 15. Anyway, I went to actually set up multitasking on that iPad using the previous iOS, iOS 14. I couldn't remember how to do it. I never remember how to do it because I wanted to have the, I think I wanted like my notes on one side and maybe the discord on the other side or no, I had micro.blog on the left and, and, and the discord on the right. So I could kind of see both. Couldn't for the life of me remember how the hell to even do multitasking to get two windows on the same damn screen. So that was already, I was like, this, this should probably get updated with iOS 15 that would be good I did figure it out yes it's doable it's fine it's just how do you know how to do it I have no idea I don't think most people probably ever use it because they don't know how um, and then don't even get me started on now there's like this floaty window that kind of goes on one side or the other I, I don't know anyway so I'm using this iPad now as a you know as my mobile computer um, alongside the iMac. And so I put iOS 15 on that beta one. It's so much nicer now where you get the little three dot things, you know, where to click stuff, grabbing apps from the little app drawer thing is great. I love that there's an app drawer now. Uh, I think I, I like it on the phone cause there's just so much crap that I know the, um, what are those things called? At, not air tags. Um, the little clip air clips gosh i don't app clips is that what it is where you're like you don't need the app i feel like that is meant to solve the problem that i have of like all of these apps that i have on my phone as a oh on the on the off chance i need to park in this one specific city i have that app for that and it's like i don't want those but the app drawer on the phone was great because it's like good just throw it in the stupid junk drawer if you need it, search for it. If you don't, don't be bothered with it. So I, I've always liked the app drawer. Um, I think it's good on the iPad. Having the widgets on everywhere on the screen is great. It's like kind of a mix between dashboard and and a desktop. I think that'd be cool to have on the Mac, honestly, to have those widgets just on my screen all the time. I don't know what that would do to the system if all that crap was running all the time, but I think that might be kind of cool. So I guess I would pick iPad just in general as a, it feels like it got a pretty good bump. Um, I've been using the iOS also, <laughs> the iOS, like <laughs> my 90, um, uh, iOS 15 and it's been mostly fine. And I think the Safari is probably the biggest, why do I keep saying the, the Safari, the iPhone? 
I think Safari has been probably the biggest kind of knee jerk reaction of like, whoa, this is wow, this is crazy different. Everything about it's different. The bar is no longer in the same spot. All the top looks different. Um, I think it's the movement of the bar is that's the only thing that kind of throws me off. I love the way that things bleed to the edge. I I do have one I have one criticism I I just thought of. Um so I'll put on my Australia hat and and uh be be mean. Um the one thing that I would love to see WWDC do is be boring again in the sense that ev- and this is the nature of, you know, whatever Apple biggest trillion billion gajillion dollar whatever. Everything has to be like customer focused now and like has to excite all the stupid news outlets and everything so people get clicks and whatever but like wwdc it just it felt like a september iphone event again where it was just very much like hey consumers here's all the consumery consumer 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 and i i want like the i want more boring like hey here's a new feature and it does this by doing a neural engine call to the like even if i don't understand what half of the shit is it just felt like they're talking to you know the person at the apple store who's trying to decide what ios they're going to buy instead of a developer and i'm not a developer so i'm sure there was a lot of that stuff later but the keynote just felt like it was 100% here you go, CNET or whoever's a relevant tech thing now, you know, write up 10 articles about why the new, and it's not even available, which is so annoying because it felt like it was a hundred percent consumer focused, but they're not even going to see it for four months or whatever. So I think if it were more boring, I, I actually would would like that yeah i didn't read a lot of the stuff about it and after the event i watched the event and i kind of turned it off because i was like i'm not going to install any of this stuff and anything i read about it now i'm going to forget so i'll just wait until it comes out explore it and then and it's going to change yeah yeah whatever they say today is not going to be the same by beta 7 or whatever right so it's like it kind of doesn't matter it's almost just a waste of energy but yet everyone has to do it because we got to do the the clicky click machine right yeah, like that thing where the mouse went between like 15 devices. Holy crap, that was amazing. I don't know what that has to do with being a developer though, right? Like that's completely an end user benefit. I guess if you're a developer that wants to develop across three Macs at the same time, maybe. But I I don't know. I just, I, I'm not saying I don't enjoy it. It's just like, it didn't really feel like a developer thing it felt like this was put out for you know this was this could you could have just announced the new iphone at the end of september and this would have been the iphone event honestly i I don't know how it really differed from that which makes me wonder what are they going to have for two hours at an iphone event if we already know about all is it just all this stuff again i don't know yeah that's what they do they reiterate so that was our quick run-through of WWDC, each with our one single item of things that we liked from it. Martin was the only one who followed the brief. Me and Jason rattled on far too much. Surprise. Right, well, I have a story to share. Changing gears now. Um, I bought a new iPod. It's 2004. Wait, how do you, how do you buy a new iPod? How does that work? Like... Recently on Twitter, uh, I came across a wonderful nostalgic image. Uh, If you're familiar with the Twitter account Infinite Loop, uh, it was, I think, the iPod fourth generation, which was now, you know, retroactively or retrospectively referred to as the classic. It's before it went to the photo model. We're talking Chicago font, right? And I just retweeted the image, quoted it saying, oh, seriously nostalgic. And the two hosts of a podcast that I follow called The Cinematologists came out of the woodwork uh, their names are Dario and Neil and we had this great discussion on Twitter about the nostalgia of the iPod and something that came out of that discussion was that at least one of them still carries around an iPod classic with their own digital music files on it, and that they wouldn't be parted with it it's like it, it's just this satisfying feeling of walking around with the music that you own on a dedicated device and I thought 
That's kind of interesting. That that's that's really kind of a novel concept these days. This this new idea of walking around with music that you own rather than it being simply a streaming service or as Apple promised with the Apple Music launch a number of years ago, the stuff you own mixed with the stuff that you stream and now kind of just murky and it's really just all of our library, right? And I thought, well, sometimes I've actually gone and put music onto an old iPod, like one of the ones on my shelf that I'm looking at right now, and just walked around to see what it's like. And I thought, but I don't actually have a device that I walk around with that has all of my music on it. So I went onto eBay and I started scrolling away. And what I found is there's this guy in, guess where, Western Australia, who customizes them and will sell it to you as this, I'm calling it, new iPod. So I got this, right? This is a black iPod video. This is before they went to the classic moniker. This is the glossy one. Now this was originally a 30 gigabyte model. What this wonderful gentleman in Western Australia has done is not only replaced the battery, he has put a new click wheel on it and replaced the 30 gigabyte hard drive with a 128 gig SD card. So it's essentially brought into the future kinder. And on the back, as far as I can tell, it also has, I don't know if you can see there, if it's easy, 128 gig has been put on the back along with a revised version of the serial number. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to briefly touch on this experience. It has been fantastic to go back to the hard drive that I stored my entire music library on pre-Apple Music. I did that preemptively because I was worried about what streaming would do to it. And on a separate older Mac, I've just you know connected this, put it all on there, taken it for walks, uh, took it for a walk while using my DSLR, you know, splitting the music and photo device that is now just within the phone, and even taken it in the car to listen to music plugged into the auxiliary jack, so much so that Natasha is now trying to look for her old iPod shuffle. Um, so look, for any of our One Prime Plus, One Plus, One Prime Plus subscribers who have uh, seen in my uh, my additions to the newsletter about my kind of uh, nostalgic trips with the iPod Hi-Fi and the and the Canon lens and everything. I don't know. I'm just on a real nostalgic trip recently, and I thought I'd share that I'd time traveled back a little bit. That's cool, though. I like that. The thing of the thing I wish that I've seen people do these like little iPod mods. I think it'd be really cool if they put Bluetooth in it. Like I know it's the whole like analog plug-in headphones or whatever. Like I. I just, I don't like the cord thing because it always gets hung up on something and then rips headphones out of my head. But um, I think it'd be cool if they put Bluetooth in there um, as well. How, how does it go with spatial audio? Uh, spatial audio. That's a can of worms. I'm sorry. I, I have to apologize. I have to apologize to both of you and listeners won't necessarily know this, but I, I went on a bit of a, not a rant, but kind of like a panicked meltdown into what the implications of spatial audio were after I heard one song. And I was very, very, very worried. I can believe that. I can believe that Martin would get quite upset about spatial audio. They're changing the integrity of the original recording. I can see him getting quite worked up about it. Until I, until I worked out that you could go to the settings and turn it off, uh, Crowded House's Don't Dream It's Over was butchered. It was absolutely butchered. Media Corner. So I have a podcast by Martin's favorite broadcaster, the ABC. It's it's not a new podcast, but it's one that was new to me. It's called The 11th. This is a podcast detailing the full story behind the dismissal of Prime Minister Gough Whitlam by the Governor-General on 11th of November, 1975. So it was before all of our births, but nevertheless, it was probably the most monumental uh, day in Australian political history. May well we say, God save the Queen, because nobody will save the Governor General. Or Perfect. nothing, whatever. I stuffed that up. Please no, I think you did a pretty good job of that, actually. <laughs> um, for for the non-Australians, and maybe the Australians among us, Gough was a Prime Minister of Australia um, who lasted... A sh- he, was there for a- <laughs> he was there for a short time and kind of a good time. He worked hard, but... There was, uh, and the government was 
quite um how would you say they were they were ahead of their time i think it would probably be fair to say looking back on it now australia was still a very conservative society and they had some modern ideas and they were trying to implement these and it didn't go quite down so well with the establishment and what basically ended up happening was the queen's representative who is the head of our monarchy monarchy our constitutional help me out martin because i'm losing my words constitutional monarchy that's it thank you the the queen's representative the governor general is actually at the top of the tree but in reality the prime minister is the elected representative and the governor general should only ever listen and then do as requested he doesn't actually have any he doesn't he shouldn't ever exercise any of the powers which are vested in him. But on this day, he chose to go against that convention and sack the Prime Minister. Some might say a bit of a uh, non-democratic choice of moves. But this podcast goes into great detail about what led up to that day and sort of fills you in. Because for me, I'm a bit of a political junkie, but there was so much about it that I still didn't really understand. It was like a long time ago. This podcast really good and really interesting i i went smashed through it so fast i couldn't couldn't stop listening to it really good i think it's like eight episodes maybe 40 odd minutes um go for it i didn't even put it on fast speed i listened to it like normal speed i was that invested in it the 11th the game that is called it takes two it is Kind kind of a depressing game, I would say. The premise of the game is there is this little girl. Her parents are basically getting a divorce. She's really sad about it. She made two little like dolls of them out of just like random like clay and fabric and crap. Um, I don't think I'm spoiling anything that she magic things happen these two things come to life and now it's so it's a it's a co-op game by design it it has to be and now the two characters are you and someone else and you have to go through this world and you're you know you're trying to fix stuff in in life but now you're these little characters so you're in real world environments that are gigantic compared to you chaos ensues and you now have to go through and basically complete tasks with each other to be able to move on to the next area. So you'll have to hold something down so someone else can jump on it to get to the next thing. And then you have to, you know, shoot something else to make it come down so they can get up a ramp, that kind of thing. But it, it it's called, it takes two because it actually does. And you have to play it co-op with someone to advance through all the levels. So the story is not, uplifting really i mean i at the end i'm i'm sure it's going to be i hope we haven't finished it yet but uh the mechanic is really cool in the sense that it's this forced co-op scenario by design it's not just oh play it with someone else if you want you have to so would you say it takes too long no i i i'm actually quite enjoying it we've played i think four sessions of it now um probably for a total of maybe an hour and a half each time and i'm not sure how much is left but it hasn't gotten to the point where i'm like done with it i want to keep playing it okay cool so you're pushing on despite the uh somewhat depressing premise yeah and that like there there was i'm not gonna say what it was because spoilers but there was one part where i was like i was physically upset (laughs) from what was happening in the game it was just like that's a little bit much but yeah um it's an emotional game so strap in this suggestion is very australian uh probably equally if not more australian than andrew's the dismissal uh, the dismissal suggestion so i apologize but let's consider it an educational experience and a chance to make fun of me um for any australians listening there was a fantastic and i mean really fantastic comedy show in the 90s called fast forward right And we're talking really, really crazy sketch comedy where the premise was, and 
you know, this could be the whole media corner suggestion itself, and I'm going to talk about a particular sketch. The style of the show was such that it was almost like a crazy VHS tape where you started a sketch and then something would sort of fast forward or rewind and then you'd suddenly end up at another sketch, but then they would revisit previous sketches over and over again like you were constantly fast forwarding and rewinding the tape. (laughs) Kind of static effect, right? Now, I love lots of sketches in this show. Right. And I'm not even necessarily saying that this is the funniest one, but I bring it up because it's the one that Natasha uses to make fun of me. Right. So there's a news presenter or there was a news presenter on Australian television called Yarn Event. And in actual history uh, on on the show, I think it was a current affair. I think it was anyway, whatever it was, she interviewed a former Queensland state premier, kind of like the equivalent of a U.S. governor, Sergio Bjorki-Peterson. And he was kind of like a bit of a loose cannon, constantly accused of corruption and all of this horrible stuff. And they do this parody of this interview between Yana and Sir Joe. And and Yana is played by this deadpan actress on the show. People who know the show recognize her and she's just always kind of delivering the lines like this, like, have you ever taken a bribe, Sir Joe? And Natasha claims that I speak exactly like Sir Joe on my long white male rants about what should have taken only three or four syllables to actually answer. And he constantly goes on about, oh, and you are putting the words in my mouth and uh, you are wrong and and so on. And if you watch this, uh, you'll get to the end of it, particularly if you're not from Australia and go, what the hell did I just watch? If you know me or you've listened to the podcast, you'll go, yeah, Martin kind of rambles a bit like that. So anyway, look in the show notes. There'll be a link to Yarn Event interviewing Sir Joe Belke-Peterson parody version from Fast Forward, and then you can go down the YouTube rabbit hole and enjoy other skits from this fine TV program. Natasha just burst into the room and said, I heard what you were talking about, Martin, and you didn't do the impersonation of yourself properly. Are you coming in to do it? Well, you've put the pressure on yourself. Oh, well, Natasha, now you've put the pressure on yourself, and now you must uh, perform on the podcast, <laughs> otherwise it is uh, not a very good for our listeners. <laughs> Andrew's doubled over. He said it's like there were two of us. Bloody hell. Anyway, that's the sketch. Andrew thinks that's good. Thank you. See ya. See ya, Natasha. Thanks for interrupting. <laughs>